Welcome to your success tonic. If you're ready to explore what it would mean to step into your boldest, most exciting vision of success, then you're in the right place. Welcome to your success tonic. I am delighted to welcome Laurie Drake onto the podcast today to talk about winging it. Laurie wears many hats. She's a business owner and a career coach. She runs a sales and marketing business. She's the chair of the board of a food bank and also a volunteer fitness instructor at the YMCA. Laurie is passionate about helping people do work that matters to them, and she wants to help more people find their ambition and define success on their own terms. So we have a lot to talk about, Laurie and I. Welcome, Laurie. I am delighted that you're here with me today. Hi, Natalie, and I'm so excited to be here with you too. Well, I invited you today because we both share this drive to dive deep into our practices and we love bringing our personal growth to bear into the heart of our work in the world. And working with you, I know that you bring incredible depth and insight and a deep desire to just keep refining everything you do so that you can bring your best. And so I know that you have a lot to offer to our audience today as well. So to get started, Laurie, I know that you mentioned to me that you listened to one of the earlier episodes of this podcast, the one with Susan Barber, where I talked to her about visibility. And I know that we've had some really interesting discussion around that that I'd love to dive into. And so I want to start by asking you, how do you feel about visibility? Well, thanks for asking um, this question and maybe to provide a little bit of a backstory to your listeners. Um, So, you know, Natalie graciously invited me onto her podcast, oh, probably about two months before I booked uh, the recording in with her. And I I got the request. I was, you know, just so honored and and excited to participate, but I just couldn't bring myself to sign up. Like I, I, I think I remember booking a date with you and then canceling it. And I just was having like all, all the feels to be super (laughs) honest about it. And then I was listening to your podcast and to this episode on, on visibility. And it just, it instantly clicked that, I was just so terrified of being visible and, you know, everything that you were talking about in that episode, just, it resonated so much for me. This fact that I, you know, think of myself as somebody who's comfortable with visibility. You know, I'm generally a pretty talkative person. I I work in sales and marketing. So I'm, you know, I'm constantly talking with people. I I'm often out there in the world. Um, so, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good with visibility. And then it just was like, oh, but are you? Because this is a different kind of visibility. This yeah. is being visible about something that is means so much to me. And is just, I feel so vulnerable talking about this side of myself. I'm still learning to see myself this way, to talk about myself this way, to show yeah. up in the world this way. And so... In any case, I promptly after listening to the episode texted you and said, oh my God, I'm terrified of being visible and I'm going to do it. And I booked it in and that's why I'm here today. So I'm so uh, glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you think it's important for us to do this, you know, to step into that visibility? I think it's so important for us to do it because of what we're missing out when we don't. Um, you know, I don't want to undercut, you know, how terrifying it is to do, right. to do this. I actually, um, I use a term, um, often to talk about how I feel in these kind of moments. I, I call it exerified, 
because it's this like equal parts mixture of excitement and an equal parts mixture of terrified. And I feel like um, what I'm learning about myself and about others and as I kind of just, you know, mature in this world is that ultimately being more visible is, you know, going to make you feel deeply exerified, right? There is this excitement about it. There is this kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm going to put myself out there. You know, somebody wants to listen to me. Oh my God. Um, and then there's also that instant terrified of, oh my God, I'm putting some myself out there. Oh my God, someone's going to listen to me. And I also feel like that's a feeling that it's just, you don't want to miss out on those feelings, right? As mm-hmm. much as it, it you know, can feel really weird and uncomfortable, I think some of the, the best opportunities, some of the most fun, actually, I think I've ever had has been when I've leaned into feeling exerified and just embraced it and just said, you know what? when you're excited and terrified, that's where the good things happen. That's where, that's where things kind of come together for me. That's where I'm having the most fun. That's where I'm experiencing joy. That's where I'm connecting with people who I really enjoy connecting with. And so I would just say, do it because you're just going to have so it's going to be so much better once you do. Right. Yeah. It's that leading edge, right? And when you're there, you know that it's like challenging you to such an extent. And I definitely have really struggled with this and, and you know, launching the podcast, beginning to speak um, to audiences all over. It's been really that combination of excitement and terror. And the thing that for me really makes the drive for me to go out and keep doing it is just the response that I get, you know, which is, wow, this has been so helpful. Wow, my thinking has changed around this now because of this talk or this episode. Um, so I, I think that we lift each other up when mm-hmm. we are willing to be vulnerable and share our stories. And I think and then when we think of it from that perspective, the fear starts to fade significantly. Yeah. That's my experience at any rate. Yeah. And you, and like you said, you just, you meet people who are there too. And so, and you also give permission to yourself and others to be there. Mm-hmm. And there's just something really, just like really powerful, I think about just kind of sitting with that, just sitting with that fear, just, just yeah. like letting or, um, Seth Godin often talks about dancing with the fear, which I think is a beautiful metaphor, yeah. um, mostly because I, I'm, I, I'm a dance instructor. Um, and so yeah, I kind of feel like sometimes you just got to, you got to, you got to also like treat it with a degree of lightness, right? You have to like, then that's what the dancing metaphor brings up for me is this, mm-hmm. this fact that like, we're going to, we're going to dance. It's going to be fun. It's going to be joyful. And it's going to, you have to, you have to approach it with a degree of levity because if you yes. dance and you're too rigid, well, you're just not quite dancing quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's a bit of an art form, one that I'm, you know, still learning and improving and iterating on every single day. Um, but it gets easier and easier the more I practice it. I really hope that more and more people can kind of learn to embrace this because I, it's been l- like life changing for me to lean into the exerified emotion and to just yes. grab that fear and say, we're going to go tango. Yes. I love, and I love this expression that you've coined. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> so it's, it captures it perfectly. I know that you recently stepped into a larger leadership role as CEO of a company. And congratulations on rocking that out, by the way, Laurie. Um, but one of the tricky things about that 
is that no one gives us a guidebook to leadership that's personalized to us and, and we don't know exactly what it's going to be when we step into that role. And so even though you bring your incredible expertise and your insight to the position, there is an element of the unknown, right? Of uncharted territory when we step into a new role of, of this size. So what's one way of thinking about this change, this, this up level in your life that has served you well as you navigate this unfamiliar territory? What a good question. And I'm a huge fan of metaphors and allegories. I find that they can be immensely helpful for just helping us to reframe and get unstuck. And um, one of the big ones that I had really recently was to think about what I'm experiencing right now and the kind of newness of my role. I'm both new to the role. I'm new to the industry that I'm working in. There's a lot of new. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a beginner in so many ways. And in other ways, I'm not because I've you know, right. been in leadership and managed people for you know, over a decade now. But there's still yeah. there's a lot of new um, and a lot of you know, be, being that beginner again. And it, it can feel really odd when you're used to being an expert to be thrown back into that beginner role. Yes, but the metaphor for me was to be like, you don't have to know how to get from point A to B just yet. Instead, you're you're the cartographer. And what your goal is for right now is to create the map. It's to explore. It's to figure out all the different pathways that exist in this, you know, new forest that I'm in. And that might mean that I go down some pathways only to find out that, you know, a tree's fallen and I can't really go much further and I have to turn back around in order to kind of go down a different path. You think when we're experts, we're so used to having the map and we're so focused on the efficiency and, you know, knowing how to get from point A to point B or knowing, okay, if this, you know, if there's a little blockage here, we know what the fastest, you know, workaround is. But when you're so new at something, when you're fundamentally back in that beginner, the kind of advantage that you have is that you don't know the way forward. And so you get to explore. And that means you might find some new pathways. You Mm. might find new ways of coming at um, old problems. Problems. And uh, I'm kind of trying to really embrace the fact that right now I'm making my map. I'm mm-hmm. making my map, and that is inherently a slight that is inherently more inefficient than knowing how to get to the other side and get to where I'm going. And that's not a bad thing. And that that inefficiency is going to allow me to see new things, ask different questions, find new solutions find new paths that the well-worn leader just isn't going because they've got their map and they're just going from point A to point B and they're not stopping to look and they're not taking the detour. And that'll go away as I gain my expertise and my map gets developed. So I'm trying to really hold on to this idea of being the cartographer and seeing that as my unique superpower for a limited time and, and kind of being like, okay, just, just own it. Just stop, stop wanting to be really efficient and embrace the exploration that you have at your, like, that's available to me right now. Uh, absolutely. It is a superpower. The ability to lean into it and to own it for what it is, is really to your credit because it's so hard to do. Let's, let's say that, you know, it is hard to be a beginner, especially when we have been the expert before. It is not an easy place to be. So that open mind, the the exploration, the willingness to, you know, maybe get it wrong because we're still figuring things out. It's brave. 
It's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> now, you and I talk a lot about ways of deepening our coaching skills, our leadership skills, and we've shared a lot of tips and, and books and recommended frameworks to each other that we find useful. And we had a conversation recently around ways that frameworks can sometimes actually hold us back. So I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about that and share that with listeners today. Absolutely. And I think like you, you know, really, really love a good framework. Um, I think <laughs> that frameworks can be so immensely helpful to creating, you know, structures and helping us make sense of complexity. And one of the things that I'm realizing right now, and perhaps it's because of, you know, where I am in my role in my life, um, the fact that I'm, I'm a beginner in many respects and in a lot of areas right now, is I'm finding that a lot of the old frameworks that I've, you know, really loved and found so helpful are really just and like, they're just, they're not helping me at all right now. And I know we've had a lot of conversations about what to do about that, how to let go of a framework, how to, how to reprioritize, you know, and how to, how to, you know, do I, do I find a new framework? Do I just not have frameworks? And I think one thing that I have found really, really helpful, and, and this is another kind of person in the coaching world that I really admire. His name is Michael Bungay-Stanier. And he has a saying that he says, all frameworks are wrong, but sometimes frameworks can be useful. And I have to keep reminding myself that, that there is no kind of like right framework. There is no like silver bullet magic. It's going to solve every single one of my problems. In fact, all of them are a little wrong. And it's about trying to figure out which one's going to be most useful to me right now. And so I'm at this kind of position at this point right now where I'm kind of throwing out some of the old frameworks. No, throwing out's maybe actually not quite the right word, actually. It's more that I'm I'm putting them to the side. I'm taking them mm -hmm. off for the moment and saying, right now, you're not useful for me. It's not that you can never be again or that you won't be for someone else, but that for right now, for where I am, for what I need, you're not serving me. Mm -hmm. And trying to find different frameworks to call in and to help me make sense of where I'm at right now. And so, yeah, it's been this weird moment of having to grapple with it. And I think almost like de-pedestalize frameworks, really, right? <laughs> like it's, I feel like I've had like a deep veneration of frameworks and I really like them. I like systems. I like structure. And to have to be just like, okay, these are not the be all end all. And I have to like put them in their rightful spot and grapple with the, I guess like the nuance required to say, you can mm -hmm. be useful for me. You were useful. You might be useful in the future, but right now you're just not doing it for me. Right. I think that word you just used is so key, nuance. Sometimes a framework does not allow for nuance, you know, and certainly not when you are winging it the way when you're just figuring out when you're charting your map. It's like, yeah, the framework might be great when you get to your destination to sort of build, build what you're going to build. But on the journey, it might be completely irrelevant. <laughs> Yeah. And it, and it can make the journey more stressful, or at least yes. that's been my experience at the moment is trying to hold on to frameworks or find a new framework has actually been provoking more stress in me. Mm -hmm. And over the past few weeks, I've been kind of letting go and embracing this, like more this winging it philosophy. We could talk a little bit more about that. But part of it has just been to say, you know what, when I'm the cartographer, the framework, I'm building the framework, right? So of course I don't have it, 
And to expect myself to have it right now at this point in my life is just going to make it so much hard for me to do the thing that I'm supposed to be doing right now, which is exploring. So yes, it's just been this this odd tension for me about wanting the structure, but then also realizing that that structure is what's causing so much stress and anxiety for me. And so letting it go, which would typically be the thing that would cause me stress and anxiety is actually the thing that's helping me right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, right? So tell us a bit more about your philosophy around winging it and how that plays into your definition of success. I'm fascinated by this. So maybe I'm going to start with a little bit of a backstory because how yeah. I came to appreciating winging it is there, there's a history there and, it, and it's not an easy one. I hated the term for a really, really long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say that for like, you know, for, for, for many years, and I think this is probably true for many people, but I used to have this idea that like people who owned businesses, people who sat in management or leadership positions, just like, I don't know, figured out that they like, you know, understood it all. I don't, again, I, I, I'm saying this now with a degree of humor because I now am in these positions and I'm going, yeah, yeah okay, this is not how it works. But when like, you know, I'm going to go back 15 years in my life. And that's what I thought about, you know, people yeah. who do the types of things I do right now. Right. And when I really started to, you know, like work up my career and kind of really started to, you know, take on, you know, management and leadership roles and kind of step into that. I first got so angry. Like I was like literally enraged when I found out that actually most of the people in leadership roles, you know, they knew a lot. Like, I'm not going to say that we have no experience and we have no expertise and like, we're, you know, like, like that's not true, but that, you know, ultimately they don't have it all figured out, right? When they're handed a new project, they're like anybody who's handed a new project. They have to figure it out themselves. You know, they're going to stumble and fumble until they get good at something too. And so I spent a huge portion, you know, of, of my early career, just being really angry about this, being really angry and feeling like the wool had been pulled over my eyes and how dare they, and like, how can't they not have it figured out? And then a few years ago, it just kind of like dawned on me that I could flip that anger and turn it into a sense of freedom and just say, well, wait, if this isn't about having to know how to do something before you do it, what could I be doing that mm-hmm. I want to be doing? And so for me, that was like a, a massive pivotal shift in, in my you know, in my emotional state, but also just in how I was even thinking about all of this. And then for me, this was a like, oh, if other people don't have to have it all figured out, if other people are kind of winging it and, and you know, using their past experience and expertise to have the confidence and self-trust that it requires to wing it, well, I can go do that too. And mm. it just, and it, for me, that was the moment that really like opened up a ton of possibility for me. And it really became more about, um, trusting myself and like leaning into my love of learning. I love to learn. It's like my favorite thing. People always ask me, you know, if you won the lottery, what would you be? I'm like a professional student. It's very simple. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Yeah, we share that for sure. (laughs) Um, But, you know, really the winging it philosophy to me is combining this love of learning, this deep curiosity with this kind of trust 
with also this ability to reflect on your past experiences and use them to grow and move forward. And it's this like beautiful kind of like alchemy of all of that, that has really, you know, really makes it possible for me. And I also, everybody else, like yeah. I'm not the only one winging it here. I think there's people nope. other ways. You are not. <laughs> no, I, you know, and, and so I think that for me was just, it just was like, when it happened, it was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this changes the game. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I think when you do look at leaders, people, mentors, people that you look up to when you're younger, you do think they have this kind of magical source of confidence and knowledge. You know, you're like, I could never be like that. And it seems so distant to where you are. And the thing that we have to do is is to learn how to deal with this inner voice of self-doubt and, you know, lean into that curiosity, that desire to learn and just not be held back by the self-doubt. We all have it. Everyone has that self-doubt. Even our mentors and the, and the people who are out there just doing amazing things, they all struggle with that. Everyone has that inner critic who's trying to tear you down. Absolutely. And I think um, it's probably the number one question I get asked in like informational interviews and those types of situations is, you know, what do I need to do to get to get that confidence, to get that ability. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm just like, okay, you're not going to want to hear this because I didn't want to hear this when I was your age, <laughs> but you're going to just have to do it. Like, you're just going to have to like it, the, the confidence comes. I think that's been like a big shift for me is I think earlier on, I thought that it was confidence led to action Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, no, action yes. leads to confidence, yes. actually. And when I kind of flip that model, um, it A, allows me to take action so much faster. I get like less stuck in the mud. Um, but also it, it is just more productive. It, it actually does build my confidence faster when yes. I'm working from a place of action rather than from a place of over planning, over educating, over theorizing. And I can fall into those ruts all the time. Oh, yeah. like, yeah, even too. though I know this, I, yeah. I still will do it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And really the best news of all is that there are tools out there that can help you deal with the lack of confidence or whatever else. But like you said, it's actually very simple, you know, how to build that confidence. And it is finding the strength within just to take that first step. It's usually mm-hmm. just that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not to overanalyze it, to be quite honest. I think, you yeah. know, one example that you are familiar with is I recently launched a blog, which has been two years in the making. I kind of roll my eyes now at it when I think about it in retrospect. But this project for me was, you know, one of those ones where I got stuck in that rut of overthinking, over planning, over learning, over theorizing for oh, a, a solid two years to be yeah, if I'm being super candid with the audience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just, you know, I kept on being like, okay, well, I need to have everything figured out. I need to know exactly what the point of this is. I need to know exactly what what sales funnel this is going to drive to. I need to know what product it's going to lead into. I need to figure out who my audience is. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, all of a sudden, I, the hypocrisy of how I was acting and what mm-hmm. I actually think was just like, oh man, Lori, you're doing it again. Like you're falling into that rut. And very, very quickly once, you know, and you were part of the conversations that helped me make sense of that hypocrisy. 
you know, once I kind of saw it, it was like instantly, it was like, you know what, stop, stop learning, stop theorizing. You know how you're going to figure this out? You're going to figure this out by writing the blog. (laughs) You're going to (laughs) figure it out by putting stuff out into the world and figuring out what resonates and working to find the community and then understand what they want and building with them, right? Like it's, and it's so easy to get caught up in this building for them and doing things for people that you can forget that there's an immense amount of power in building with people and inviting them in into that building process. And again, it's that my confidence as a blogger, as a writer, my confidence in my ability to produce a product that's going to matter to the people I want to serve, that's going to come from doing things to find the people and understand how I can better serve them. It's not going to come from me sitting and reading books for hours on end. That isn't to say don't plan at all. Like there's a degree of planning that you always need. But it's to say, don't, there's a point at which you have to just kind of say, okay, I've planned as much as I can. And the return on I'm getting diminishing returns on this. And Mm -hmm. now I need to move into action and just listen to what what's working, what's not. Also, do I like this? Do I not like this? Is this what I thought it was going to be like? Or is it not? What if I don't like blogging? What if I realize that this thing I've been thinking about for two years, I start doing and I go, actually, podcasting is what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. And so I think it's, um, you know, finding that, that little bit of courage, you know, trusting yourself enough to just take that leap and to know that whatever happens, the movement is the movement forward is what's going to matter most because you'll be able to figure it out. Yeah. And I think this is like we said earlier, this is what it means to step into leadership is to get out of our own way and really connect with the people that we want to serve and and, and build with them as opposed to, you know, prepare them the nice, perfect thing and hand it to them. That is never going to work. (laughs) But this is something that we learn from experience for sure. Absolutely. So Laurie, before we wrap up, do you have any last advice or tip that you'd like to share around winging it that people could take away from this episode? I suppose if I had one piece of advice to offer, (laughs) it would be to just approach things with a little bit more levity, like lightness, Mm -hmm. and to see things more as a form of play. Because I think when we do that, Mm -hmm. we just de-escalate everything and we can open up this space for ourselves and also, but for everyone else around us to just try, try things, test our assumptions, test our hypotheses. And to me, when we're coming at things from this place of of fun, of play, of joy, we are just more comfortable taking action. We're more comfortable taking manageable risks. And we're, I think ultimately we'll be able to get to the places we want to go faster than when we take ourselves a little more seriously. That's the thing that I've been, I would just encourage everyone is to, you know, if if there's a project you want to do and you're just not able to take action or make the steps that you want to be making to move it forward, maybe just ask yourself how you can make it fun. How can you turn Mm -hmm. this into a bit of play and see if that'll help you move the needle on taking action Again, it's that first step, right? Uh, That first step begets the next step. Absolutely. Yes. And I do really appreciate what you're saying around fun. It's definitely a theme in in my coaching sessions or with my clients. It's often a question I ask is, how can we make this fun? You know, and then that can literally shift how you're thinking about the big difficult problem or developing the strategy that's not coming together for you. Well, 
Thank you so much, Laurie. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Before we go, can you let listeners know where they can find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So if folks want to follow along with my new blog, that's the best way to find me. It's at uh, Lori Drake, L-A-U-R-I-E-D-R-A-K-E dot C-A. So I'm Canadian. So you need the dot C-A, not the dot com. And yeah, so follow me along, lauridrake.ca. And you could also be part of the building with story mm-hmm. and help me, you know, along the way too. So I welcome, you know, thoughts, feedback, ideas, suggestions. I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try my darnest to figure it out. <laughs> I know you will. You're amazing. <laughs> awesome. And thank you so much, Natalie, for having me on your podcast. It's been a real, real pleasure. And I'm so honored to uh, have been able to participate in this with you. Oh, it's been so fun, actually. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you to all of you listening. I'm so glad you were all here and able to be with us today as well. So I'm wondering, how would you like to reclaim up to two hours a day? It actually only takes five minutes a week to change the results that you're getting. Pretty soon you could be saving around 50 hours a month. Head over to storytonic.co backslash reclaim to discover how to leverage your time and give yourself the best chance at success. 